0: Tone Deaf is the journey of a musical theater nerd, bringing musicals into the life of their musically challenged spouse. The reactions to the musicals are real and mostly unedited. This show is rated explicit for mature content and strong language. Now sit back, relax, and have a laugh. You're listening to Tone Deaf.
1: to Tone Deaf, a theater nerd's guide for their Musically Challenged spouse. I'm Kay, a musical theater nerd. And I'm Warren. I'm Musically Challenged. So before we get started, thank you guys so much. We have actually hit uh, 1,200 downloads as of this recording, um, just total. And we have 103 followers now on Twitter as Yay! of this recording, so... <laughs> Thank you guys so much. We love you all, so this is just yay. yeah we want we want to give you guys a, a, a call
0: to action at the beginning of the show to please uh, rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and that really helps to promote the show and get us to a wider audience so that more people can laugh at how little I know about musical theater
1: <laughs> or discover shows that they haven't seen or wouldn't be able to see uh i've noticed that we've had a lot of listens outside of the US lately and a lot of these shows don't go to these places as often so it's really awesome to see that this is a way to get more people exposed to musical theater that wouldn't normally be exposed to these shows
0: ck is helping to culture the world bringing more people into the the greater vibration of understanding of musical theater.
1: Well, and what I want to actually do as well is start bringing in shows that aren't from the U.S. So I want to start doing more shows, and we'll talk about that when we get to uh, Frank Wildhorn, because he's actually done a few musicals outside of the U.S., but we're not talking about him today. So we will be, though, by the end of the month, which will be awesome. Frank Wildhorn? Yes. That sounds like a porn star name. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, This just the first thing that came to mind. <laughs> well, I can't unhear that, so... Um. <laughs> and neither can you. So, today though, we're going to actually talk about one of the most important musicals in musical theater history. And it's a show that I can't believe you've seen, which is normal. Like but, I can't believe I haven't seen? Or, yeah, I can't believe you haven't seen, which is normal. But I'm also glad that you haven't seen it yet because I get to be the one to introduce it to you. <laughs> and I I have a little bit of nostalgia with this because this is one of the first musical movies and plays, really, that I ever saw. I was, I want to say I was three or four when I saw this with my grandfather.
0: I know that you talked about uh, Cats was kind of where your first being like, oh, I really like musical theater. Yes.
1: So you saw this before Cats. Yes. And this one, Sound of Music and Peter Pan and State Fair were the ones that I had seen when I was really young and didn't really know that musicals were a thing that were done like live. I only knew about movie musicals at this time because gotcha. child and... Most people don't want to take their toddler to the theater. I mean, most, I was...
0: <laughs> I see, most people don't have a toddler who is as well behaved as you
1: were. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I was I was a silent kid in movies and my mom would take me to like Beauty and the Beast to just take a nap because <laughs> she knew that I would just be staring at the screen going fuzzy, pretty colors. I don't know what's going on, but it, they're singing and there's colors because <laughs> for those who don't know. I cannot see very well, so Yeah, you got how old were you when you finally got glasses? Six. Yeah. But uh, for,
0: for the first five years of your life you were blind.
1: Yeah, I, I couldn't see a thing. I had to sit right up next to the TV to see anything. Um so the show that we're gonna watch is Oklahoma. It's Oklahoma
0: is an okay show. <laughs> I think. I don't
1: know. So you know the songs because, well, you don't know the songs, but you've heard. Do, do I really know any
0: songs? I
1: mean, even even groups that I like, I'm still like, which song is this? <laughs> but like, you've you've you know the music. You're familiar enough with the music because it's so pervasive in our culture, and I'll get into that in a minute. But. It's probably going
0: to be one of those things where I, just like other shows where I'm like, oh my god, I have seen a reference for everything in this show.
1: Yes, this is, I want to say this is one of the first examples outside of like Gilbert and Sullivan that you're going to have that Um, chronologically, not within the confines of this show. Um, So this is a musical adaptation of a 1934 play called Green Grow the Lilacs. Uh, this show, yes, just how it went from green grow the lilacs to Oklahoma. I'm like, well, okay. we'll, get okay, we'll get there. Sorry, get um, there. So this Oklahoma is set in 1906, which is before Oklahoma became a state, November 16th, 1907. It's also set during the Sheep Wars. <laughs> sheep Wars? yes. Oh my god, uh, I hate my brain sometimes. So this is a conflict between cowherds and shepherds in the Midwest and Western states. Most notably, uh, most of the armed conflicts took place in Colorado, Wyoming, Arizona, and Texas. But yeah, like people died. Actual... Uh, so
0: people basically just killing each other over who gets to have the land to let their animals yes. graze there? Yes.
1: Um, and we could go more into detail on this, but... This isn't a History of Weird Wars podcast, this is a musical theater podcast, so just, you know, have that in the back of your mind, that this is an actual, like, armed conflict period of time. Fantastic. (laughs) And I want to say, like, it ended in the 1900s, but it started in the mid-1800s, like, late to mid-1800s.
0: What you're telling me is to not have a cow about this wooly conflict. That it was just sheer desperation <laughs> that these shepherds and and uh, cattle ranchers were going hoof to hoof. I guess Holy you could say is don't God. cry over spilled milk and blood. Jesus Christ!
1: I'll shut oh. up now. Oh man. Okay, so I want to talk about with this show um it's a really important show as I said earlier because this is one of the first musicals to really solidify the concept of a book musical as a legitimate form on Broadway. So, book musicals are where show or where the songs are integrated into the plot very smoothly. Okay. Before this, you would have um, just these musical numbers that would basically stop the show. And they didn't really mean anything to the show, and they didn't care about characterization or about plot as much. Oklahoma, as well as the show that came before it, that you would not have Oklahoma without it, uh, Showboat. Uh, those were the two that, um really solidified this as a form of musical theater and showboat is one that hammerstein worked on um, before this show and we'll cover that one later i think you'll like it but you'll also get a little mad but you'll like it well because if it was done in the early 1900s then it's just full of racism so there is racism in showboat but there's also they call it out as best as they can for the time okay so this is where you start seeing theater being used for social justice So yeah a little bit more of the social aspects of musical theater the social justice or the political aspects of musical theater are where it's kind of coming from rogers and Hammerstein's shows um and as I go into the history of this, then I'll I'll talk more about that. So, but I don't want to get too much into the history of Rodgers and Hammerstein as a power couple because I want to do a full episode on this. But um, I will start by saying this was their first show together. This is the first Rodgers and Hammerstein show. So this is where
0: the the. Um... Theatrical bromance began.
1: Yes, this is, and the history of how it began is kind of interesting. Um, so was before, th- uh-huh. say, they, were were they on opposite sides of the cow and sheep war, and then <laughs>
0: <laughs> came together?
1: No. So um, before this show, Rogers uh, Richard Rogers was a composer working with lyricist Lorenz Hart, and Oscar Hammerstein the third was nice. working. Yep, another third. Uh, was working with Jerome Kern, and um, as I had said before, this is based on the play *Green Grow the Lilacs*, which was written by Lynn Riggs. Um, a theater, gu- the theater, bleh, words are easy. The theater guild s- produced a production of it in nineteen thirty-one, like it, before it was really uh, codified, because um, it, it was it's one of those. It's one of those things where, like, they had produced a production before it went to Broadway um, in 1934. And they produced the production that didn't do well. But then uh, Teresa Helpburn, who was um, on the Guild, saw a Summerstock production of it in 1941. And this production, they had folk music and square dancing. And she went, holy shit, musical. (laughs) She just... (laughs) She just blossomed and was like, I didn't realize that I needed this thing. Yes. And so she contacts uh, Richard Rogers and Lorenz Hart and goes, hey, let's do a musical adaptation. So they secured the rights and then they brought on Hammerstein to help out with the book of the musical. And it was kind of serendipitous because Hammerstein w- had actually toyed with the idea of a musical adaptation of the show and then Jerome Kern went, now, pass. He's like, no thanks, bro. I'm yeah. Good. I'm good over here. And I mean, <laughs> I mean, Jerome Kern still went on to do great things as well. Um, but I'm sure that there might have been a little bit of kicking oneself. Yeah. Which there will be a lot of with this show, of kicking oneself. So uh, Hammerstein was writing the book, and then Hart started to lose interest in working on the show, because his style was more like witty and satirical, and also he was an alcoholic and was starting (laughs) to get really sick, and was like, you know what, I need to step down from this. And he actually was the one who suggested that uh, Richard Rogers work with Oscar Hammerstein, and that Hammerstein take over the lyrics. Well, kudos to him for having enough self-awareness to yeah, yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah, brilliant uh, lyricist. And we'll get into him later in another episode. So, um,
0: I have a question real quick. When yeah. people say that so-and-so is a
1: brilliant lyricist, does that just mean they're good at rhyming? Just, uh, not just rhyming, but, like, <laughs> making lyrics that... What rhymes with plantain? Foot pain. S- singing in the rain. <laughs> um... But no, like, it's it's, because the composing is important, but so is the lyrics, Uh, because the lyrics, it's not just that they rhyme, it's that they're memorable, and that they tell the story that you want the song to tell, or the the musical number to tell. That's fair. Yeah, so, uh, let's see, they, I I really do want to do an episode later about their hit about Rodgers and Hammerstein's history. Because it's just, they are one of the greats in musical theater.
0: Oh, I, I know that for sure, because yeah. I've definitely heard their name mentioned a, a lot. lot and a lot and a lot before I even met you.
1: <laughs> yeah, so um, this collaboration on this show helped both of them flourish. In composing and writing, and help them find their own voices. Makes
0: sense because this was their first one together, so it's yeah, the, it's the beginning of a beautiful friendship.
1: Yeah, and they help support each other with the writing and the lyrics because it, it's it's important when you're doing something like that that your collab, your co collaborator, lets you flourish and it's lets
0: you. It's important you have a supportive partner.
1: Yes, it absolutely is. Um, so. Let's see where was I at on my notes. Uh so they agreed to have the show actually lean on the source material more rather than being more like the type of musical comedy popular in the day which was basically just flashy and song numbers and who cares about the plot we need to do song numbers.
0: Gotcha. It was just all it was all it was all style no substance. Yes,
1: and this is where you get the introduction of don't have a song number unless you're leading into it with emotion. Like, the song number is where the emotion comes out.
0: So, like, the, the thing you've told me before where it's you sing because the emotion is so great that
1: you have, you don't know what else to do. You yeah. You break out into the song and sing about your feelings. Yes, yes. Um, so, they also did something kind of weird for World War II era musicals. Oh, boy. They didn't go with actors who could sing. They went with singers who could act.
0: Oh, okay. Act Okay, wait, so does that just mean that they're a better singer than they are an actor? Yes. Okay.
1: But they also like it's it's before we get truly into triple threat territory. Gotcha.
0: No, but that logic makes sense to me because if the primary thing that you're going for is the music and Mm -hmm. the musicals and the singing, you want people who are better at singing than acting because the acting is just the in-between parts for the singing.
1: Yeah, and the thing too is that at this time, you had a lot of contemporary stars in these musicals, like contemporary movie or theater stars. And so the focus for the show wasn't, oh, is this good? It's, oh, hey, Groucho Marx is in this. Speaking of, they actu- um, Hilburn actually suggested that Shirley Temple and Groucho Marx be cast as the leads in this. And they said, no, they're not dramatically suited for these characters. We want people who are suited for the character, not just, hey, there's a star in this.
0: No, that's good, too. You get people who are the better person for the role, not just a big name that'll
1: draw eyes. Yeah. And it's, it's where you get actually getting quote unquote nobodies into shows now. Um, which again, that wasn't the thing that they did in world around world war two. So they, they really turned a lot of stuff on their head. Uh, they also grabbed Agnes DeMille as a choreographer and, um, this was her first Broadway production. And she actually is the one who developed this ballet sequence that we'll see in the first act um, that demonstrates the struggle between the main female character uh, and the two suitors that are fighting over her. And just her struggle of, you know, trying to decide, what do <laughs> I do? <laughs> well,
0: I was going to go into a rant, but I guess for that time period, yeah, you know... She's a, choosing. Yeah, a woman's biggest thing is, well, which man do I want to be in charge of me since I have no rights to get on property?
1: And a lot of uh, the themes in Oklahoma, like, it's it's not perfect. It's not a perfect show by any means, and especially for nowadays, they've had to change it up every revival to kind of fix some of the issues. But... No, I, it's one of those things, like, I do have to, as... as uh...
0: I hate to say the phrase, as easily triggered as I am by things like racism, misogyny, and yeah. discrimination in general, I do have to take a backseat in my own mind and go, okay, this was done at this time period where this was considered acceptable, and even though it was still wrong... Mm-hmm. They ex-
1: still are turning things on their head so, at this time. I mean, I do
0: appreciate that at least for the time they're trying to be more
1: progressive, even mm-hmm. before the time the the narrative towards,
0: hey... These are people, too.
1: Yeah, and there's there's a lot of uh, working on tolerance in general with this show. I mean, they don't have racial tolerance stuff with this show, necessarily. <laughs> because, you know, in the 40s, you mostly had white actors yeah. for yeah. these mainstream Broadway shows. And if you um, needed a black actor, you just painted a white actor. <laughs> exactly. Um, or if you had an actual black actor, they weren't going to be a lead. Um, So we're not going to run into that. Like, we aren't going to necessarily run into that with this show, with the version we're going to be seeing. However, um, there is a character who is um, from, at the time, uh, Persia, who was played by a white actor until recently. And in fact, one of the more recent... Uh, revivals. This character was played by Asif Manvi. So that's a cool name. Do you remember him? Do Le- I? Okay, let me pull him up. Let me pull him up for I'm you. i just like Asif, Man- Asif Manvi? Yeah, that's let a me, cool name. Let me pull him up for you because
0: I probably will see him and be like, "Oh, that dude." I'm just like Asif you.
1: Manvi. You absolutely will. Um, but he actually is uh one of the guys enamored with one of the girls. But, uh, do-do-do-do-do, my computer's old, so old. Come on, computer. Oh, okay.
0: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Yeah, so he's he's from The Daily Show, and he's also done theater. (laughs) He was also in uh, the horrible, horrible... We Last don't talk Air, about it. Last Airbender movie. I'll talk about it because it... We do not name it, that show. <laughs> <laughs> it does not exist. <laughs> hey, if I could get those brain cells back and that money back. <laughs> but yeah, so that's that's about the most that we're going to get with this show. Okay. But um, let's see. So back to the creation of Oklahoma. Its working title was Away We Go, which will make sense with the plot. Um, kind of a lousy thing at this time is that Hammerstein wasn't known for his success. He was known for flops, oh. which kind of colored a lot of the critics' expectations of this show. And in fact, during uh their tryouts in New Haven, a critic or a producer uh Mike Todd who would eventually eat these words, had stated, uh, it had had said about the show, no legs, no jokes, no chance, as he walked out uh, during the first act. Big mistake, dude. Yes. You know, I
0: feel like you, you have no right to call yourself a critic if you're not going to sit through and, the whole thing. If you and, get and up he and was, walk out. he
1: wasn't necessarily a critic. He was oh. a producer. I misspoke earlier. Well, fuck him but anyway. But still, um, they... And, Rodgers and Hammerstein were like, okay, bro, and continued, and New Haven and Boston's audiences enjoyed it enough that they were able to jump to Broadway, and it was during these tryouts that the iconic song, Oklahoma, was added in, and the title of the play was changed from Away We Go to Oklahoma. Cool. So Uh, would
0: that be considered a revival, or not revival, not, not, uh, what's the word? Not revival.
1: It's not a revival because they're still technically in the workshop stage. Gotcha. They weren't on the, okay, this is officially the show now stage. Um, So it opens on Broadway, March 31st, 1943, and Todd eats his words. Because (laughs) because critics loved it and audiences loved it. And it sold out. Nice. Um, And this show literally changed musical theater forever. Just with its opening number. um, This is where the golden age of musical theater begins. And goes on for quite a while and then goes into the dork ages. The dork ages? Well, or dark ages. (laughs) No, I love that. I love that. The dork ages. (laughs) Dork ages is a term that I've seen a lot on TV tropes. (laughs) Which is a website that I should stay away from because I will be... Down a rabbit hole. <laughs> I, no, I love that dork ages. So, uh, just sorry, slight tangent. When does the dork ages begin? Ah, uh, I'm trying to remember. I know that with movie musicals, it was Hello Dolly. Okay,
0: that's the one with Elvis, right? Or an Elvis no, character? No, that's oh, okay. Bye Bye Birdie. Bye Bye
1: Birdie. Sorry. Um, and it's it's not necessarily that shows were bad. It's just that they got a little more goofy it it's where you find I'm trying to I'm trying to describe it. It's like they're not as successful. Okay.
0: So that hence the the dark ages, mm-hmm. because it's Yeah. Because musical theater went whoop gold age and then kinda of tapered down a bit and uh-huh. it never kind of
1: it never kind of reached that same success that it had. It's prior. had a renaissance. It, oh. it definitely has. I wanna say that the nineties and uh early 2000s um as well as like maybe even into the 80s we have well anyway uh well that's not the focus of this so i can't give you a good answer <laughs>
0: sorry i'm born the, t- the tangent master <laughs> i
1: didn't anticipate you asking it so i didn't look it up um let's see so speaking of that opening number though that was my favorite song as a kid yeah and papa and i would sing it a lot so Aww, yeah that's so cute So, to give you an idea of the popularity of this show, I grabbed the list of notable productions from Wikipedia to let you know. 1943, we had it on Broadway. 1947 was the West End. So they're performing it, like, during World War II. Yes. Uh, 1951 was the first Broadway revival. 1955 was the film. 1979 was the next Broadway revival. There were two West End revivals, one in 1980, one in 1998. Um, 2002 saw another Broadway revival. Then 2003 had a U.S. tour. The U.K. had two tours in 2010 and 2015. And then 2019 is the Broadway revival, which we watched, watched Get a Tony. Um, oh, gotcha. Yes. So um, since this show came out before the Tony Awards existed... As we covered in our Tony bonus episode for patrons, the awards didn't start until 1947. Um, it did win a Pulitzer Prize in 1944. It was a special prize just for musicals. Okay. Um, just for the writing of the musical? Yeah. In, in 1993, it won a special Tony for its 50th anniversary, then it won the Olivier for Best Revival in 1999, and then a Tony for Best Revival in 2019. And this show deserves these. Like, it, it really does. It deserves all these awards, because it's fantastic. No, oh, it's the hype train. Kay's building up the hype train. Choo-choo. <laughs> I'm not going to edit that choo-choo, because it's not Starlight Express. So. Well, and it also wasn't really loud and no, obnoxious like no. mine was. Well, uh, I mean, your last one wasn't obnoxious. I just went and added a train whistle. Because <laughs> I'm a chaotic being. Um, so this show's a favorite for musical or er, for uh, community theaters and schools and is pretty much beloved everywhere. It's, yeah, it's safe, but it's still good. And each revival has improved on it. Um also, like we said at the beginning, this show has been parodied a lot,
0: well, considering that it is from you know World War two and mm-hmm. it's and it's still in the the um social consciousness, yeah, like, and
1: it's uh, iconic as hell, like it it changed <laughs> musical theater. <laughs> the more we talk about shows like this, the more I'm just like,
0: "Wow, I know nothing. Like, <laughs> you're
1: fine, babe. So, um, we talked about this a little bit in the car on the way home the other day, but the songs, Oh, What a Beautiful Morning in Oklahoma, were actually parodied in South Park Bigger, Longer, and Uncut, um, with Oklahoma being nodded to at the end of Uncle Fucker. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and of course, when Kay is telling me that in the car, I proceed to sing Uncle Fucker to yes. the best of my ability. <laughs>
1: it's it's kind of shameful for me. I used to have the entire movie of South Park bigger longer and uncut memorized as musical. But that's one of the things I love about you. <laughs> Thanks. I also watched it in French a couple of times because I was trying to prepare to go to France. and I was like, well, you know,
0: you know what I love why about not? that <laughs> what I love about that is someone sitting in a recording studio who speaks French, looking at the script going like, I got to sing this song in French
1: with a straight face. (laughs) Uh. Cause it's not that it's anyway, anyway, we're not talking about South Park. Okay. So another big thing with this show to show how iconic it is. So 1953, the state of Oklahoma decided that Oklahoma would be its state song. Oh, yeah? Yes. Nice. That is how iconic this show is. Yeah, I mean, sure, why not? It's already got uh, star power to it. Yeah. So, i I originally was going to have us watch the 1955 film because memories. But then I saw on Amazon that the West End revival was available. Oh, nice. So... We are going to watch that one today, and I'm not going to tell you who's in the cast, because I don't want to spoil it for you. I want to see your reaction. You're see, Okay, I know the
0: reaction's going to be, that person looks familiar. Okay, what do I know them from? Is I'm gonna pretty
1: sure you're going to recognize them. Okay, um, well, what year was this version? 1999. At? Okay, so 1999. I'm pretty sure you're going to recognize this person, so... We're going to take a brief intermission and then we're going to go watch the most okay musical out there. Hey! Hey, puns. Hey Warren.
0: Okay. Hey, Guess what time it is? Is it time to talk about our favorite people in the whole world?
1: Hell yeah! Woo! So this week, we want to give a big thank you to our producer circle patron, Bianucci, and another big thank you to our stage crew sponsor, Jasmine Wu. You guys are so freaking awesome. We love you so much. We're so glad that you are continuing to help and support our podcast week after week. Um, we just... We can't do this without you guys we love you both so very much thank you so much for your support now let's take a quick break to listen to an ad from one of our favorite podcasts called history on blast hello and welcome to history on blast i'm hillary and i'll be your host as we call out history every other week we'll be putting a different person place time or event on blast for the shit that they pulled This ain't your grandpa's history podcast, so if this sounds like your cup of harbor tea, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast catcher. Hey folks, Kay here. Do you love listening to Tone Deaf? Do you love listening to other podcasts? Did you know that you can get paid for listening to this podcast or other podcasts using this new free app called PodCoin? It literally pays you to listen to podcasts. So what you would do is you listen to podcasts and you earn the PodCoin while you listen. Then you can turn that PodCoin in for gift cards at places like Amazon or Starbucks, or you could do what we like to do and donate that PodCoin to charity. Um, The more that you listen to these shows, the more that you earn. So now you're wondering, where do I start? Well, just go download the app on iPhone or Android, and then, I've got a special code for you, so you'll use our code TONEDEATH, that's T-O-N-E-D-E-A-T-H. Little odd, I know, but you'll get 300 PodCoins just for signing up. So, go ahead and go listen to this podcast, or virtually any podcast on PodCoin, and sign up with our code T-O-N-E-D-E-A-T-H. It'll change the way you listen to podcasts. And now, the lights are going down, and the music is starting back up, so let's hop into the second act of the show. Okay, babe, so what'd you think?
0: Oh, my God, Wolverine is in this show. (laughs) Oklahoma has Wolverine in this show. (laughs) Kay didn't tell me because she knew that I'd freak. But Oklahoma has Wolverine in this show. (laughs) So, yeah. In the, uh... Was it 1999? Yes. Version uh, that was done um, in London mm-hmm. uh, has Wolverine, has Hugh Jackman, and it was has funny. Has your man crush. Yeah, has, has, well, one of my man One of your
1: man crushes. I mean,
0: before he got, <laughs> oh, I have a joke, okay, yeah, it's got, it's got him in, and uh, it was funny because Kay was just like, oh, I don't want to tell you, I don't want to tell you, and I was tr- running through my brain thinking, what? English actor, do I like or actress, <laughs> do I like that? That uh, Kay doesn't want to tell me, and uh, it was funny because then it was the Australian, so it kind of caught me yep. caught me off guard, but it was a a, a neat surprise. I zagged on ya. you, yeah. You zagged, you zagged when I thought you'd zig, <laughs> and uh, yeah. So Wolverine is in this show, but it's before he's Wolverine and before he's a uh, human growth hormone Wolverine. He's just some guy. Singing while some woman gives him dirty looks. Yeah, we get it. It's a beautiful morning. Now get your lazy ass to work, you lazy bastard. (laughs) And we come to learn that Wolverine's name is Curly. Mm -hmm. But I do not call him Curly in this. I call him Wolverine. (laughs) Because I'm predictable, you know. And uh, Wolverine is sad after singing about what a beautiful morning it is. Wolverine is sad that the old woman, Aunt Eller, doesn't want him hitting on her niece. Wolverine has a fragile ego before he becomes an unstoppable metal massacre machine. <laughs> Wolverine sings about taking Laurie out of the t- uh, out on the town or the Surrey, and I I haven't heard what's a Surrey, Kay. But, and then you found out what then a I Surrey is. Found out at the very end of the show what a Surrey is. <laughs> uh, Wolverine has some pipes and makes the women swoon. Laurie rolls rolls a twenty and shakes off Wolverine's mating call. She gets mad at him for making things up about the whole, come take a ride with me, pretty lady. And Aunt Ellie tells her, eh, just grab her and kiss her when she gets all fussy. I bet she wants it. To which Laurie is like, pfft, I would spit on him, I wouldn't spit on him, let alone kiss him. (laughs) And so in the beginning part of the show, it has the iconic,
1: oh, Oklahoma. You mean, oh,
0: what a beautiful morning. Oh, that. Sorry it's okay. Oh, what a beautiful
1: morning. Yes, that one. Yeah.
0: How's that? The, the, what a beautiful morning. And, uh, it was very surprising. Like I knew Hugh Jackman could sing, Mm -hmm. um, but it definitely caught me off guard to see him in this. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it was, it was nice. He, he's a good actor and he does a good job. So no complaints. That's
1: the Hugh Jackman that I prefer rather than the Super swole Wolverine Jackman, <laughs> the, the human growth hormone hybrid. I don't like that look <laughs> On yeah, any man. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fair. Um, and I'm broken
0: <laughs> <laughs> But I like that look on a man. That's fine <laughs>
1: but, You're allowed to <laughs> and
0: he's you know singing about what a beautiful morning it is while Aunt Eller is giving him dirty looks like just shut up and get to work and then they talk about uh, her niece and how he's got a thing for her niece but as far as he knows she doesn't have a thing for him and then uh when the niece comes out he starts telling her about oh well i rented this this surrey and i want to take you know someone with me and and have a nice ride and blah 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 and is just basically painting this this pretty picture for her and she kind of falls for it and then she shakes it off because he's like oh i didn't actually rent one and And she's like, you're a liar. You're just a liar. Ah, My feelings are hurt. And and (laughs) it was, I don't, to be
1: fair, I don't really like their exchange through most of this show. Yeah, it's, it's for the time. Well, it's just okay, but
0: yeah. I, and that's, that's kind of my, uh, my overall feeling with this show is that it's just okay. (laughs) And no puns. Lives up to its name. Puns aside, it's just okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, it wasn't really blown away. Um, I might have Oklahoma stuck in my head later. But of course, with me and lyrics, it'll just be Oklahoma. <laughs> Oklahoma. Uh, yeah. So, But I mean, it was entertaining. It was definitely well done. I just mm-hmm. think that... I think probably for me, the setting of rural Oklahoma before it even becomes a state mm-hmm. when it's just a territory, um, I just... I've never been much for the the West and the frontier and yeah. stuff like that. That's just never really been a... I think a, I'm the... a little
1: more frontiersy than you, which is you like to shocking fish. with you, me yeah, being... You,
0: you like to fish, and I don't like to fish.
1: Oh, not even just that way, because you can like to fish no matter where you're at. I just mean, like, the cowboy aesthetic and stuff. Granted, my idea is I want to join the rodeo, and I want to be the one doing the barrel racing. I don't want to watch some cowboy doing it. I want to do it. That's true. You want to be a cowgirl. I was gonna make a joke about you wanting to be a farm
0: wife, and then you'd be like, Pfft, "Hell no, I no! I'm a, I wanna I wanna be a be cowgirl the
1: one busting the Broncos." Mm-hmm. But a bronco would bust my ass right now. So <laughs> who
0: knows? You might turn out to be a horse
1: whisperer.
0: Mm. You know? I don't know. Horses do like you. They tend to want to chew on your hair.
1: This is true.
0: Okay, okay. Back to back to my notes. So after Lari uh, shakes off Wolverine's advances. <laughs> And Wolverine gets a little little upset. His his male ego gets a little wounded that she's not just fawning all over him. Wolverine gets uh gets a little possessive when he sees that another man is around the farm and might be having an eye for Lari. Poke his eyes out, Wolvie. <laughs> a new character, Ike, shows up, being all Can we borrow your big wagon to go into town or something? It's kinda of what I gathered. It was just we I I kind of think I might have missed Some of what they were talking about there was just, hey, we need your wagon. Oh, because they need to pick something up at the train station. Gotcha. Okay. And did it turn out to be Will? Yep. That was who they're picking up. (laughs) They're like, we don't want to tell her because then she won't let us use it. (laughs) Uh, And and then Ike, so he takes the wagon and goes into town to pick up something. Uh, Will shows up and that's what was being picked up. Will shows up from being out of town and he's fixing to marry... What was... Ato Annie, Ato Annie. Annie. I never put down Ado I just call her Annie. He's fixing to marry Ado Annie, and he brought some porn as a gift for Annie's <laughs> paw. Classy. He brings in this. Uh, I thought it was a spyglass at first, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh, that's actually a practical gift." It's a kind of spyglass. Yeah, it's it lets you, you know, it's a spyglass that has naked women on the inside of it, and later on, it turns out to have a
1: much more devious. It's it's the Chekhov's Porn Glass.
0: Yeah, Chekhov's Porn Glass. That's very accurate. (laughs) That's not the title of this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Will then sings about his adventures in Kansas City. Big buildings, telephones, motor cars. They've gone about as far as they can go. And the women in Kansas City are loose. From what I gather of the song, neat that Will is singing about banging a stranger when he previously was talking about marrying Annie. I bet Annie would love to know about your Kansas City adventures, Billiam.
1: (laughs) Are you going to call him that the whole time? For
0: the rest of the show, yes. Yes! So, Billiam is handy with a lasso, and it's actually quite impressive. Uh, he, until he lassos some women for, uh, the audi- for his audition for Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, and to distract Aunt Eller from his woman napping, he dances with her. The lassoed women attempt to sneak up on Billiam, but didn't follow through with their assassination, and instead opted for a group chorus line dance and a freeze-frame pose of
1: triumph. That whole That whole scene was kind of... Weird. I, I don't know. He's, he's showing off the dance moves that they had in Kansas City. Cause is that what he was doing? Yeah. That w- he had explained uh, as he's dancing at one point. They're all oh what what's that? Oh that's the two step. The waltz is over. And then look at this. This is ragtime. I saw some folks dancing this way in Kansas City. Okay. So he's kind of showing off all the
0: stuff. And- Got gotcha. you. Because I I don't know why I I kind of adjusted to it as the show went on. But I had a kind of a hard time understanding what they were saying in the same way uh, that I did with My Fair Lady, because mm-hmm. uh, there was no, no proper Englishing of, yeah. of words.
1: And they do a really good job with that accent. No,
0: they really do. <laughs> they absolutely do. Considering that you know people are, I'd say the cast is probably largely English. Yeah, they do a very good job of being rural Oklahomans. You know. Yeah, and uh, it was definitely very well done. I mean. Uh, any criticisms I have for the show really aren't the show. I think it's just I'm used to seeing more modern shows, and yeah. so seeing something like this, which is older, and granted, it has been revived or re- revised as uh, the decades mm-hmm. have gone. I don't know. It's just it was just okay. Yeah, it was just okay for me.
1: For I, a, for a history of musical theater, I probably should have started you off with this one. But, dear God, you needed to see Cats. And, uh, and these modern shows, too, because... These modern productions are all very well.
0: Um, However, this is Oklahoma. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> all right. So after William shows off his fancy dance moves and lasso tricks... I said William. Billiam! Damn it. We get to meet Annie, who is a dumb bimbo, it appears. Uh, She's the girl you knew growing up who was unpopular. Then one summer, she got boobs, then came back to school and was popular for some completely unknown reason. (laughs) She's just the girl who can't say no. Mm -hmm. This character reminded me of someone we used to work with, Mm -hmm. and I won't say that person's name, but she is also kind of a ditzy bimbo, the kind of person that you're like you can't have a conversation with. hmm And so I found Annie, while she's a comic relief, I found her to be incredibly annoying for most of the show. Yeah. But to be, I mean, to be fair, she did make me laugh. And mm-hmm. so the character did a pretty good job. Um, on a side note, I can't, tr- oh, oh, sorry. I should finish my thought. I didn't write it down. However, Annie is, is uh, walking around with a peddler, named Ali Ali Hakim mm-hmm. and he's there to trade some goods in the town but on a side note I cannot trust Ali Hakim if the wheel of time has taught me anything <laughs> peddlers cannot be trusted <laughs> so I'm side-eyeing Ali I'm side-eyeing this guy the whole time
1: <laughs> oh my gosh
0: I used, I've actually worked with a, a fair number of, uh, he, he, he says he's, I always get really, I uh, shouldn't say annoyed, but it makes me laugh because Ali says that he's Persian. He's from mm-hmm. Persia. Persia hasn't existed for a few thousand years. Mm-hmm. So it makes me laugh when people, because Persia is, it's Iran. That's modern day Iran. So it makes me laugh when people say that they're Persian because Persia doesn't exist anymore. You're Iranian. Uh, but I can maybe understand you not wanting to say that you're Iranian because of, Issues, I guess. We're not exactly on friendly mm. terms with Iran. But then again, in 1906, I don't think most people knew where Iran or Persia is. Mm hmm. Yet yeah, they would just go, oh, someone exotic from the Middle East. That's always because ma- I've, I've worked with a number of uh, Iranians and mm-hmm. it would always make me because they would always refer to themselves as Persian. Mm hmm. But there's no, there's no Persian.
1: Well, uh, if they refer to themselves as that, like it's, it's kind of um, for us here we would you know call i mean a lot of people in america will lump like native american tribes into one group but in reality like your yeah, choctaw your cherokee your navajo your and so you know if if they consider their home as persia even though we're calling it something else it's Another good example is uh, when England decided to go into uh, Central Africa and call a big swath of the land Northern Rhodesia, and that is not what the people who lived there called it. I guess that's fair, but then because we categorize things our way. True, but America. Persia
0: occupied more than Iran. It occupied yeah. like the whole Middle East. But yeah, I've never heard. Thing. I've never heard anyone from any other country call themselves Persian. I've only known it specifically. People from Iran call themselves Persian.
1: Yeah, I'll be. I'm more inclined to agree with the person who's from the area on what they want to call themselves rather than what are.
0: But Less Manifest
1: certain. Destiny, Kay. Manifest Destiny, damn it. Fuck Manifest Destiny. Ah, uh, touche. <laughs> it's never paid out well for me. Kay's... <laughs>
0: uh, good point. Kay's a better person than I am, so we'll move on. So, <laughs> Aunt Eller... Tears Ali a new Akeem hole over the <laughs> egg beater that he sold her, and uh, I guess it didn't beat eggs. She doesn't really specify; only states that it she's unsatisfied.
1: Well, he also said that it would well, wring out guess, her clothes. I guess that's and true. He said it would oh, churn her ice cream. Yeah, and... <laughs> it's
0: true. He did. He did overstate the yes. uh, the uh, potential of said egg beater. Mm-hmm. So uh, the application of sense Yeah, so that's fair. I mean, I guess that's that's reasonable. Uh, it just makes me laugh. It's an egg beater. It's like, well, it should be eggs if you think it's going to do much else. But, um, Ali attempts to, uh, see, uh, Ali attempts, attempts Lari about buying some of his wares. She talks about normal things like dresses and perfumes and, uh, unspecified private things. Things that she wants done to her. Ali settles on some snake oil. (coughs) I mean, uh, magical Egyptian potion. That is really just smelling salts. Magical smelling salts that, keep, that help you make up your mind. <laughs> Aunt Eller tells her it's a waste of her money, but Lari but, uh, has no respect for the wisdom of her elders and buys Ali's magical Egyptian snake oil. Ali is trying to convince Annie to go to a hotel with him and uh, experience paradise. He sure is talking himself up, but, Aunt, but Annie seems uh, like the kind of woman you could look at and say, It was the best in the world that you've ever had. And she'd be like, oh, I guess it's a small world after all. Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Billiam shows up and camel blocks Ali, telling him he's going to marry Annie. On purpose, Ali says. Ali has no interest in the cow. He just wants some cream. Billiam, however, seems to be cut from a similar brain-dead cloth as Annie. It's a match made on the plane. (laughs) Uh, So, because Billiam really and the thing is truth, Billiam does seem to legitimately yeah. like Annie. And legitimately For care some about her. reason. Probably yeah, boobs. For for two reasons. Two very for, big reasons. For two round exposed for most of the show reasons. Yeah. Is my guess. Uh yeah. I actually did think Ali was a great character. He was mm-hmm. one of my favorites, actually. He's great. Because he's he just made me laugh. Because um, he's probably, he seemed like probably the most sophisticated person there. Mm-hmm. And it just made me laugh just how he was very much the fish out of water. Yes. Uh, surrounded by all of these, I don't, for lack of a better word, rednecks.
1: Yeah. Uh, it, rural folks. Especially towards the second act, which I can't wait to know what you thought <laughs> towards the second act.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. So after Billiam camel blocks Ali, uh, Ali heads into Aunt Eller's house who um uh, who says that she'll get the snake something to eat. Wolverine shows up with a wagon full of peeps. Everyone is preparing for the big hoedown down hoot nanny that evening. Wolvie asks Larry if she wants to take a ride down with his big wagon and uh well, sorry. He asks Larry if she wants to ride down in his big wagon with him. And Judd says, Hell no, she asked me de dirt that's my woman And Judd will have more to say about Judd. Eller tells Wolvie to go down and water the horses, and the Cummins girl wants to come with Wolvie. God damn I don't it. blame her. If I was a woman, I'd be throwing my panties at him. <laughs> Cummins and Wolvie go off to water the horses, in air quotes, and to also give the horses some water. <clears throat> After a random girl starts to cry for Laurie's loss, who obviously she doesn't seem to care, since she asked Judd to go to the hoedown nanny. Laurie then sings about how much she hates the snivelling, sobbing woman who cry the snivelling sobbing women who cry over men. I'll never do that do that she says, leading me to think that she might do that later because foreshadowing mm. Ollie gets <laughs> Ollie gets the news broken to him from Annie that she can't marry him. Ollie is uh very uh busted, broken, heartbroken. Right up until Annie's paw says she can't marry Billiam. and Annie divulges th- that uh, all the sweet somethings that Ollie has been saying, Ollie has a shotgun pointed at his face, and he's told he's marrying Annie. It's a scandal! It's an outrage! That you can't just put your rooster in every hen house without getting pecked. <laughs> How are these farm euphemisms working for you? <laughs> so, happens with that is. uh billiam goes to annie's pa and is like i i i want to marry her you said if i got fifty dollars i could he's like yeah well, where's the money he's like well i bought gifts ha you don't have the money you mm-hmm. can't marry her so he gets upset and then he's there with annie and annie's talking about i can be with you ali and and uh annie's father's like what's this what's this all about And he starts kind of probing Annie, who's dumb enough to divulge everything to her father, mm-hmm. and he ends up pointing a shotgun at Ali, uh, being like, well, in these parts, that better be a, a proposal of marriage yeah. kind of thing. And so Ali's like, yeah, of course. I would rather marry your daughter than be shot. And, uh, yeah. So, we learned that the name of the Cummins girl is Gertie. Gertie Cummins has the worst laugh the worst laugh in all of human history. The laugh is a deal-breaker, honestly, for me. Uh, Gertie... Pfft, I spelled that wrong. Gertie goes into Aunt Ellie's, Eller's house, and leaves Wolvie and Lari to aggressively flirt banter with each other. <laughs> These two have it hard for each other, but Lauri seems to be really playing hard to get. Like, she really yeah. is into the... I don't... Like, it's... This is one of the things that bothers me about it, is rather mm. than, like... Stating clear intentions. She's trying to be as standoffish and obnoxious as possible and I don't get why because it almost seems like that whole Bizarre thing that some people will do where they're like I'm
1: testing you to see if you're really worth my time Because a woman who will Outright state that she loves somebody or that she likes somebody or is into somebody is a slut Is that what they say in the show? That's just the way it's portrayed in a lot like in media at the time, women aren't supposed to be outwardly going for guys. And even nowadays you still get some of that because girls are always socialized to be don't put yourself out for a guy. you've got to put you've got to keep it tucked in don't be a flirt don't flirt with the guy don't
0: see well the, the thing is there's difference between being flirty and just being cordial with someone because the mm-hmm. way the way that she behaves is it's like she ha- like she acts like she hates him yeah and he tries to be like he tries to make he, like that's the thing is he makes his intentions very clear that he's like i am interested in you and she might as well be like eh fuck off like it's not i'm not saying that it's
1: right i'm gotcha. just telling you how it is okay. is that that's how we're socialized is you are not supposed to be putting yourself out to people and if you are you're considered a slut and if you let men know your intentions then it's bad and so well,
0: i mean it's it's
1: a thing that especially back then with when when virginity is yes. is placed at such a high yes. commodity, so you've got to remember the historical background on a lot of these shows. If it's set at a certain time, women are not going to act the way that they do now. Well, just because because
0: and... Laurie more because every other girl on the show, even though like taking Annie out because Annie's just a a a brain devoid bimbo, um, mm-hmm. every other woman in the entire show seems more. I don't want to say normal, but just they don't, mm-hmm. you don't see them being all, uh piss-off cowboy. But they're not the like.
1: star. They're okay. not the one that the audience is supposed to project themselves onto.
0: Okay, okay. Okay, okay. <laughs> However, though, wait, haha, I don't want to skip that one. So Wolverine tells Laurie he's going down to the smokehouse to beat the shit out of Judd, er... Get a good look at him. See what's so enthralling about him. I called it, though. Laurie breaks down and cries right after Wolverine leaves to uh, talk to Judd. Old Eller comes out and plays it cool. Hey, you want me to call you a whambulance, or you just want this hanky to wipe the snot off your blubbering face? Laurie confides in Eller that she doesn't want to go with Judd, because cause she gets some real rapey vibes from him. Uh-huh. Eller tells her to stop acting like a chicken with its head cut off. Eller then tells her that she doesn't have have a thing to wear and gives her a new dress. How sweet. Now go get ready for your date with Smokey Judd. And, I don't know, like, that, that whole thing kind of bop, bobb- like, it's, I don't know, it's the whole back-and-forth banter of, like, of Wolverine clearly stating his intentions and her being like, no, I'm not interested in things, like, fine, and then... She's like, oh, well, wait. And he's like, what? Like, kind of like, you what? What are you going to tell me? And she's like, nah, never mind. And then she breaks down like, oh, I like
1: him, but he's... It's, it's just, it's, it's, I don't like it. I know. I don't like it. But re- again, put yourself back in the time period. Like with a lot of these shows, you're going to have to do that because there's going to be a lot of moments where you're going to go, what the hell? But you've got to remember the history and the way that we okay. were socialized. So when
0: we watch Ragtime and they're throwing out a bunch of N-words, I'll say to myself,
1: okay, this is totally fine. That one... Is... <laughs> I'm not saying that, like... I'm, I'm just saying that you've got to understand where they're coming from rather than just outright... Because, like, they, they make it very obvious in Ragtime that if you're using that, you're the bad guy. If you're saying those words, you're the bad guy. Whereas with this, they have that whole stupid Hays Code bullcrap, and all of the women have to act this way in film and theater, men have to act this way, and women are not allowed to be... Like, it, it's the way that the media is, and they would have to change the show so much. It's kind of why I don't get upset about the fact that they don't censor older books because i'm like well we have to know where we came from yeah and so you have to know that this isn't necessarily the way it should be it's just the way it was okay well Laurie still bothers me. And that's <laughs> fair. It's just I'm I'm trying to I remind you that I this know. is how the show goes. But if,
0: I know. But if I had been trying to to woo you and you had just been like rude and st- I'd have been like, okay, fine. This person's just not interested. I would have that's moved cool. on. And that's kind of what she does, though. Like, yeah, because that that happens. Like you know, down the show that happens is like they kind of
1: have their like, fine, well I'll go over here. Fine, well I'll go over here it's going to be interesting when we do anything related to taming of the shrew um one of my favorite
0: movies is 10 things i hate about you which is based off of taming of the mm-hmm.
1: shrew yep so but similar thing she's going oh i hate his guts and then he moves yeah, her but she then... is kind of a twat and yeah. <laughs> so in he's lori think of lori as this character She is the same sort of thing, because women weren't allowed to be outwardly attracted to a man. Wow,
0: Kay and I are getting on a tangent, but I'm going to delve a little bit deeper. But in Taming of the Shrew, it was a bet that the guy had to get her to like him. In this one, he genuinely likes her. There's no bet, there's no nothing involved. He just is trying to say, hey, I'm interested in you. I would very much like to be with you. Yeah. And rather than her clearly stating her, well, if you want to be with me, I need a guy who's like this. I need a guy like. Rather than being like, I need a, you know, a, a good, decent man. I know, but I'm, I'm
1: just, I'm trying to tell you how this, why it's this way. <laughs> Let I, me tell I, you why. <laughs> I am
0: not satisfied with the way it is. I want it to be better than it is. I
1: know, but there's, you can't, because if, if they had had her being. Well, the I, way that you would prefer... I get why, because... For we, Oklahoma in 1906? We, well, we, it, because it, it wouldn't serve the plot. We need it to, would not we, serve
0: the plot. We need to have the conflict. We yeah. need to have the the back and forth so that it can culminate in them yeah, coming together. So it's like, it's one of those things like, for the plot, I get it. But at the same time, it's one of those things that we've talked about in other media where it's like, this is an issue that could have been solved with communication. Yeah. But because people aren't communicating, there mm-hmm. is... Needless drama and that's kind of how I feel about it is that it's needless drama just for the
1: purposes of the show So okay, sometimes you got to turn your brain off, babe Like a light switch like a light switch. You got to turn it off and you've got to Again, remember the context of the show when you go into some of these older ones because who, boy (laughs) This this is not the worst it gets (laughs) Oh, oh, I
0: know. I know. I know. Just be Hey, we've done Starlight Express and we've done Greece. So
1: this is still better than both of those. Oh yeah. So Just, with with regards to like the hard to getness and stuff, there's a reason behind it. I see and I thought that you were going to go into what the hell Aunt Eller. Why? Because instead of being like Oh, yeah, he is creepy, and maybe you shouldn't be around himself. Oh, oh, that. I thought that's where you were going, because that, that is another thing that I'm like... Yeah. Unfortunately, at the time, men are expected to be that way.
0: Ooh. It's
1: part of the what men are expected to do, because hmm. no one ever really says, Hey, stop looking at the... except for Ann Eller, one time don't look at these pornographic pictures because the men are all trading that spyglass. So it's it's very much, men are socialized to do this, women are socialized to do this, and Ado Annie goes against what she's socialized to do. Lori does what she's socialized to do. Yeah, but Ado Annie goes like <laughs> They're the, the, the extremes she's, uh, yeah, because she, extremes
0: media. She, she doesn't go against what she's supposed to do based off of like a rebellious nature. She does it because she's a dumb bimbo.
1: Yeah, but she goes, oh, well, I like this guy, so I'm going to go yeah. for this guy and this guy because well, I like him. That's what too. makes me
0: laugh, is with her character, is that she's into whatever guy is there. Yeah. Whoever is there paying attention so, to her. So
1: she basically shows the other side of the coin with how women are supposed to be according to this time period whereas lori goes completely the other way of f you but actually i'm into you but f you because i'm not allowed to tell you that i'm into you f you why won't you f me so (laughs) so that's that's just sort of what i'm trying to explain to you is that. Then I'm refusing to learn. You're refusing to learn. You're well, talking over me. Well, I'm trying to mansplain to you the correct way that women should behave. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, I'm I'm barely. I, I'm a woman in body, but.
0: <laughs> Wolverine goes to confront Smokey Judd, but realizes how creepy he is. Judd shows off his porn collection, and Wolvie tries to convince Judd to hang himself as a means of, uh getting women i guess <laughs> that was actually a really hilarious scene um just because he like wolverine goes in there to confront judd just to see what he's like and he's like oh this is a nice uh shack you got here a nice uh smokehouse and oh nice rope yeah it's <laughs> a nice rope you got there you could hang yourself from this and like, what do you mean hang yourself and then he goes into the like oh yeah i just hang yourself and jump off the chair and five Mm -hmm. minutes you'd be dead and all the girls would cry at your funeral and Mm -hmm. sing about what a great guy you were and I just, he is, wow. Wolvie, you're cold. You're a cold, devious bastard and I almost feel bad for Judd until he starts uh, talking about murdering all the folks that that did him wrong. Creepy bastard. Judd freaks me out. Wolvie, let's see, Judd freaks out on Wolvie After he tells him he's a creepy bastard, and in so many words, everyone comes running after hearing some gunshots, but everything is fine, totally fine. Nothing creepy or ominous going on in the smokehouse. (laughs) They, uh, after Wolvie, after they have their song of like, oh, when you're dead, everybody will be sad that you're gone, Mm -hmm. um, Judd kind of warms up to to Wolvie, and they sit down, and they're gonna, like, play some cards is what it looks like, Mm -hmm. and that's when Judd kind of divulges, oh, you know what happened to that farm, like, five years back, you know, burned it, oh, he basically talks about, like, if people have done me wrong, like, there's a way to get back at them, you Mm -hmm. know, without people knowing about it. He tells a story about this guy who burned down a barn that, burned down a farmhouse and killed the father, mother, and the daughter, because he was, you know liking the daughter but she was liking somebody else mm-hmm. and so he saved up some kerosene buying it a little bit at a time and then proceeded to murder the whole family mm-hmm. you know as a as a sane rational person would do yep and uh wolvie is not cool with that you know to be expected from the hero of our story and he kind of tells him yeah it sounds a lot like murder to me and and judd starts to get on the defensiveness and Wolf, Wolfie starts telling him, "You know, why don't you take care? Of you? Why don't you, you know, clean yourself up? Why don't you, you know, behave better?" And Judd freaks out and he pops a hole in the the roof of his smoke of the smokehouse with his gun and Wolfie freaks out and then Wolfie kind of tells him, "Oh, I'm gonna see if I can shoot this knot on the wall over there." And and he gets the gun from uh, Judd and Judd pulls out a knife. Like if he tries to turn the gun on me, I'ma stab him. It's kind mm-hmm. of a very very tense yeah. moment. But, uh, Wolvie's aim proves true, and he shoots the knot in the wall, and after two gunshots, everybody comes running, and, you know, what was that noise, what was that noise, and, uh, Wolvie and Judd play it off as, you know, nothing's wrong, nothing to see here, folks, and mm-hmm. everybody takes a peek at, of uh, Judd's porn stash that's just hanging on the wall, and then they all kind of leave, uh, well, actually, everybody leaves, but it's just Wolvie and Judd, and Hakeem is hanging around in the background, and uh, Hakim, Ali Hakim is there, and he uh, he's seeing Judd's uh, collection of fine art, and he tries to sell him some art postcards from Paris that feature nude models. It's very artistic, I'm sure. <laughs> Wolvie excuses himself, saying that he's got to get going. Uh, taking the Surrey into town, Judd threatens Wolvie, saying that Laurie better not, be, not, better not change her mind on going with him, and he gets very, very, very creepy about it.
1: And after he leaves, that's when Hakeem is uh, asked about the little wonder. Yes. Uh, so as Wolvie's leaving, he's saying, "Oh, I better get
0: going. I gotta take that Surrey into town." And and uh, Judd's like, "Who's who you taking? Who's taking the Surrey with you?" And he's like, "Aunt Eller." And he's like, "And uh, Laurie, if she wants to go." And he's like, "She better not. She promised she'd be going with me." She said, well, she might change her mind. She better not change her mind. Mm-hmm. She better not. And he just. St- freaks out about that which of course we're led to believe this guy is a creeper Mm -hmm. um and then afterwards ali tries to you know show him hey i've got these nudie cards if you want and he's like i don't want nothing of that and he asks him do you ever heard of uh what was it a little little wonder little wonder yeah you ever heard of something called a little wonder and he basically describes the the porno spyglass that billiam showed off when he got into town only the difference between the porno glass and the little wonder is that there's a blade that comes down that you can then proceed to murder the person who's looking mm-hmm. through the spyglass. and ali is like oh no 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 i don't i don't deal in that kind of thing i don't i don't i don't deal in that and uh then judd is like well i don't want anything get out of my smoke shack yeah and uh wolvie excuses him sissy. oh sorry as the sprinklers hit the window, Wolvie excuses him, say, oh, sorry, that part. Judd has his I Want song, and what he wants is a woman. Mm-hmm. Big surprise. Um, his song is actually kind of endearing. Uh, in, a, in, a, in a
1: creepy, rapey way. Well,
0: <laughs> Well, not really, because all he's singing about is that he just wants somebody who will love him and not be afraid of him. And mm-hmm. he, cause he doesn't say like, I'm going to throw a woman. He doesn't mention sex at all. He's true. It, it's really, I, I kind of feel bad for this character because to do a little bit, because he's the kind of person that it's like, he probably had a really shitty upbringing. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine that if he had probably been raised, it's probably a na- nurture versus nature thing. I mm-hmm. think if he would have had a little bit more nurture, he probably wouldn't have turned into the rat bastard he is now. Cause he's obviously the kind of person who just like, he just wants to be loved. He just wants to be loved. But nobody loves him, and that makes him very angry, and so he then
1: takes that anger out on people. And this is where I differ with you, because I That's feel fair. like he's a neckbeard. If he was in the Common Era, he would be a neckbeard. Maybe. I mean... I'm, Especially I'm just saying, with the porno stash eh. all on his wall I mean, for that, all to see.
0: That is definitely uh, super not classy. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely super not classy, but just in his song... I just, I don't know, it kind of gave me a little bit of a peek into his soul. Um, Because no matter how creepy or evil somebody is, like, it's the whole yin-yang, everybody's got a little bit of good, even if they're a rotten bastard, even good people have a little bit of evil.
1: He just has his moral event horizon pretty uh, starkly.
0: He does. He does have his moral event horizon pretty starkly. And and at that point, there's just no coming back. Uh Um, But after Judd has his big I Want song, We cut to the girls standing in the road by the cornfield and giving grief to Laurie over her spelling salts and her lack of excitement over witchcraft. I mean, (laughs) fortune telling. They ask her, is it true you're going to go with Judd and not Wolverine? She tells them that she hasn't made up her mind yet. The girls sing, uh, sing tell her to sing, the girls sing tell her to listen to her heart. Lari takes another big whiff of her Egyptian salts and trips balls. <laughs> she wakes up at night and is lured. She wakes up at night and is lured into the cornfield by glowing hands of the children of the corn, <laughs> who snatch her stash and make her chase them into the field. Lari has a full-on hallucination and dances with two of the corn girls, doing lots of uh, ballet spins and jumps. Before the corn girls' backup dancers come onto the stage and give her a basket of corn. They all dance with their corn baskets, because <laughs> that's what girls did in Oklahoma in the early 1900s. Country girls make do. Oh, God. I did think about that when watching yeah, this show. Yeah. The corn girls take a backseat to the corn boys, who come on stage and start wooing the fairer husks. This supposed to be a joke on wooing the fairer I, sex, I, I, but it doesn't. in hindsight, it doesn't work. <laughs> Leaving Laurie all alone with no corn boy for her. But suddenly... Cornverine comes out of the LSD and takes Laurie into his arms and spins her around in what can only be surmised as an Oklahoman mating display. Which it is, cause Larry's drug trip cause in Laurie's drug trip, she gets married to Cornverine. But no at the last moment when she's getting married and pulling up her veil, it's Judd. Dirty, nasty, creepy, smokehouse Judd is there. She does some dramatic uh marriage dance with Judd and falls onto the floor. Only to be manhandled by the smoky brute and carried off by him to uh, consummate their union, I assume. But they're stopped by a bunch of showgirls who distract Judd with their pantyless high kicks. Or pantless high kicks. Yeah, they're definitely they wearing panties. panties. Just not pants. <laughs> pantless high kicks. Lari tries to escape and is nabbed by the showgirls who try to make her into one of them. But Lari isn't having any of it. She runs off again and is captured by Judd. But before Judd can do anything, Korn show comes in to save the day. He has an epic battle sequence with Judd, only to be murdered! Cornverine is carried off stage, and Lari is left alone with Smokey Judd, who lays her down and, uh... Yeah. Goes to do some creepy stuff, but Lari wakes up to normal Creepy Judd, standing over her, looking nice, and he proceeds to escort her to the party. That... The whole scene was really,
1: really weird. Mm-hmm. Really, really weird. And foreshadowing ee
0: Yeah, in hindsight, it is foreshadowing-y. Um And I guess that might be
1: the only reason it serves a purpose, is for the foreshadowing, because... And to show off Agnes DeMille, or a- Angie I mean, DeMille's... Uh... It's the equivalent of the ballet scene in the West Side Story mm-hmm. musical, where it's kind of like, I
0: don't really feel like it necessarily adds to the musical more than it distracts away from the musical <laughs> um it was fine everybody's a really good dancer they
1: have some neat choreography i mean i know. mean we are still like we're we're at the start of the golden age so we're before we've gotten rid of the superfluous dance numbers in the show so it's they're on the copper age right now they well they're literally at the start of the golden age this is what kicks it off because so most of the songs are integrated into the show by this so, time, so it's iron pyrite age. <laughs> Damn it! No. <laughs> also, speaking of golden age, I misspoke with regards to dark age. It's not so much as a dark age like shows got bad. It's a dark age in that people didn't go to shows for like the seventies and eighties. So theaters were like because people were too busy doing cocaine
0: and going to the disco.
1: Yes, do, I mean do, 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 which do, do, is probably do, 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 what was in those smelling do, 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 do. salts.
0: Maybe, I mean if it makes her or pass laudanum, out. it
1: it might have been laudanum. <laughs> that she it might have been a case of they it wasn't so much smelling salts as she drank the bottle. You
0: know it's great and... is after listening to Sawbones when they talk about patent medicine mm-hmm. and then when he comes in with his with his Egyptian smelling salts I'm like, "Oh, you snake oil salesman." Mm-hmm. But uh Uncle after Farney's teething service. Yeah. <laughs> now with twice as much cocaine and heroin. Uh, <laughs> so after Judd um, escorts Laurie to the party, Act 2 opens up with a barn raising or schoolhouse raising. Tempers rise over some plot device. The sheep wh- horse. <laughs> which gives the chance for, the old, for old Eller to tell everyone to get along. Territory folks should be, all be pals, but not... As fight, but not as a fight breaks out between the farmers and the ranchers. But before anything can get too out of hand, old Eller busts a cap in the sky and tells everyone to calm down and be friends. There's uh, there is lots of dancing and merriment with only a small amount of gun pointing by old Eller to continue keeping the peace. That made me laugh a bunch because like first it's them you know pulling up the frame of the the schoolhouse just her and I don't know why. One person was mad, at another. It was like he wasn't pulling
1: his weight or yeah, something like that. Yeah, pulling it hard enough, and yeah. so then he was like, "Ah, you mule driving." Blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. and so they're arguing with each other, and then it
0: almost devolves into some fist fights, and then that's when old Eller uh, pulls out her shotgun and is like, "Get along, damn it!" Mm-hmm. And uh, so they have their you know their dance, and I did think it was funny. It's like, what was it? um, Farmers' daughters should dance with cowboys and. What was it? Cowboys Dance with Farmers Gals? Yeah. Something like that. I can't remember the song specifically. The
1: farmers Dance with the Ranchers, gals. Yeah. Territory folks should stick together. Territory folks should all be pals. Uh let's see. Cowboys dance with the farmers' daughters. Farmers dance with the ranchers, gals. Something like that. Something like that. Far better than I was doing. Good job, Kay. <laughs> Thanks. But yeah, there's there's your little nod to the sheep wars there. Oh, God. Is...
0: That's so funny you tell me about it... that. You're like, then when that part came up in the show and
1: you're like, this is the Sheep Wars. Yep, because that's still going on at 1906. Yep. We will not have a repeat of...
0: (laughs) So Billiam, Billiam is upset over Ali getting married to Annie, but Ali is upset over Billiam not getting married to Annie... Ali pulls some art of the deal magic, and Billiam gets his fifty dollars so he can buy Annie. Trump wishes that that
1: was how his art of the deal well, was. No, but you
0: know how it went because he was like, "How much is this?" Oh, I paid three fifty for yeah. it. Yeah, here's eight bucks. So like, he was because he just wanted to give him money so that he could get out of marriage. He wanted Annie. his
1: quote unquote freedom, which
0: yeah, which that, I, I actually did think that exchange between Billiam mm-hmm. and Ali was great. And the thing that I did really like about that is is Billiam actually had integrity, because Ali mm. would be like, here, I'll pay you eight bucks for this. He's like, no, that's not right. I only paid 3 50 yeah. And he's like, I'll give you eight for it. Like, he's mm-hmm. like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, like, take the money. But I did appreciate that Billion's the kind of person. He's like, no, no, that's not that's not right. He's like, that's too much. Like, yeah. He was, but he's too dumb to realize what's going on, that Ali is trying to give him money so that he can buy Annie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Uh, so yeah, so billiam gets his $50 so he can buy Annie. But he foolishly bids on the lunch auction, and Allie has to outbid him. He does, he's, so he doesn't have to marry Annie. Never seen a man spend $100 to not get something. Oh, wait, he did, he, uh, he did, uh... Oh, wait, he did. He bought a three-day bellyache on account of Annie's <laughs> terrible pie. so at this schoolhouse, barn-raising dance, all the girls basically made, like, a picnic basket. And the whole idea, from what I gather, is that the men are auctioning on the food basket, and they don't know which basket belongs to which girl. And the mm. idea is that they auction on a basket, and then whatever girl made that is, like, on a date with them. It's kind of what it seemed like. Yeah, kind of. Like, because it did seem like they were pairing up after that, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. So that's just... almost
0: what it seemed like. Like, not necessarily like, oh, you're getting married, but almost like a... You bought this lunch to contribute money to the schoolhouse, and the woman who made the lunch is going to sit down and basically eat that with you, and you're going to have a date. Yeah. That's kind of what it seemed like. But, of course, the people who were like, I want a specific girl, had ways of knowing which lunch to bid on so mm-hmm. that they could get their specific girl. Because Old Eller makes that comment of like, oh, if you're sweetie, you know, tied a ribbon or something on it, and you know, like, oh, it's none of my business, kind mm-hmm. of thing. She's kind of like, you know. Which I could see totally like that. It's like, I'm going to make it. I'm going to tie a blue ribbon on it. you yeah. know it's mine. Like, I want the blue ribbon one. Because that's probably what you and I would do. So, mm-hmm. but, um. I put my spinach dip in there. <laughs> K makes, like, a crack spinach dip, for real. <laughs> um. But, uh, where was I going with that? Oh, yeah. And. But after everybody, after all the baskets
1: are bid on, it I don't remember why the other two didn't get added to the group. Because Lori showed up late. Okay. And so did Ado Annie. Okay. And... That's
0: why. So Annie and Lori showed up sh- late and they had theirs left. And they're like, it, what made me laugh was uh, like, oh, well, these two, one belongs to Annie, one belongs to Lori, but we don't know which one. Then Annie comes up, this one's mine and this one's Lori. They're like, well, mystery solved yet, yeah, idiot. <laughs> And I thought it was funny, the one guy who was like, oh, Annie, you make that sweet potato pie you did last year? She's like, I sure did. He's like, huh, well, I'll pass. It gave me a three-day bellyache. Yeah. So that's what's great about Ali later, because Billiam comes in trying to be the the idiot knight in shining armor and be like, oh, spend $50 to, for for Annie's lunch. That way I can marry her. And mm-hmm. then her, her dad's like, no, that $50 goes to the school, you idiot. Then you yeah. don't have $50 to give to me. So in order to save his quote-unquote freedom, Ali spends $51 on mm-hmm. the lunch so that Billiam has his $50 and is able, able to buy Annie. So Ali ended up spending $101 to not have to marry Annie. Yep, which I that just that just makes me laugh so much just thinking about that. Um so after that whole thing is settled on, Wolverine and Smokey Judd have a showdown at the Hoedown and bid everything they're worth in the world on Lari's hamper basket lunch. It's an intense moment, and my only thought is, wow, no pressure on Lari to uh, make good on the goods, because yep. these two guys are grudge-fucking each other mentally over... <laughs> <laughs> who's gonna Thank get larry you for putting that image into my brain <laughs> you are most welcome my dear um because uh larry not larry judd had more money like every time someone would bid on larry's thing he would up them two pence mm-hmm. or two bits two bits so it's like two dollars two bits three dollars three and bits. two bits and two bits yeah so he kept one upping them and when uh wolverine shows up he's like well i'm not gonna let It go to to Judd, because he's a creepy fucker, Mm -hmm. and he's betting everything he's got, and every time he thinks that he would win, uh, Judd would have more money, and he would up the ante, and so Wolverine is like, he's like selling his saddle for a fraction of what it's worth to Mm -hmm. up it, and then he's selling his gun for a fraction of what it's worth until he can finally up the the cost, and he ends up, it's like 53 or something like that? Yeah, $53. $53 in order to get the lunch, and uh, yeah, and um after the auction is over, Old Eller tries to lighten the mood and reminds the farmers and the ranchers that they should be friends. And she mm-hmm. tells uh the two tells Judd and Wolverine to shake hands. And they're like, "Okay, you know, when they shake hands. We can do that." And then and then after they do that, uh Smoky Judd decides he's going to try and murder Wolverine. Mhm. Uh, Smoky Judd tries to kill Wolverine on with his pornoscope, which possesses a secret blade. Just like Wolverine, Ollie gives <laughs> Ollie gives old Eller the 411 on the murderous pornoscope, and she saves Wolvie from getting stabbed. Yep. Because Judd sneaks him over, and he's like, hey, you ever seen one of these? And and Wolverine puts his eye up to it, and he's like, ah, come on, man. Like, I don't want to look. He's like, no, no, mm-hmm. keep looking, keep looking. And then he pushes the button, and the blade comes down, mm-hmm. and he gets ready to, like, slam it into him. But that's when Ellie is like, she screams his name, Wolverine! And he turns around, <laughs> what? Huh? <"What?" gasps> Oh, yeah, let scare a feller half to death. And he's able to get them away, and Jed keeps being like, Well, after the party, you should come over mm-hmm. here so I can show you this thing and kill you with it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, after Wolverine avoids getting stabbed, Billiam and Annie have their You Better Not Fucking Cheat On Me, You Whore <laughs> song, which is exactly what it is. It really is. Um, it actually is a pretty good song, and it's mm-hmm. a pretty good moment. Uh, they basically are talked about, like, Billiam is telling her, I'm an all-or-nothing kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And I do like that she kind of throws it in his face a little bit. Like, yeah. well, what about you? What about you being with other girls, or being off doing other mm-hmm. things, kind of thing? And they do seem to come to the agreement of, okay, like, no, no doing anything with other people. Mm-hmm. If we're gonna be together, it's just the two of us. Yep. You know, as it should be. Uh, not to stand on my soapbox, but that's <laughs> commitment and um i do love the joke that he's because uh billiams talked about if we have a house you know it's only going to be for two not for three basically saying mm-hmm. it's going to be just you and me not you me and whoever you're fucking at the time yeah and uh she's like well what if the two became three implying that well what if i got pregnant he's like it better look a lot like me <laughs> like, it better look a lot like me and like and you know not that i uh uh condone spousal murder but I do side with Billy mm-hmm. on that. <laughs> like, Better look like me. Uh, <laughs> you know, if you're going to be my wife. Um, but that, that, I thought that part was pretty good. Mm-hmm. So Smokey Judd, after Billiam and Annie have their song, Smoky Judd calls Lari outside and tells her his feelings, only to be snubbed by Mrs. Prissy Pants. And his logical and well-thought response to that is to force himself on her. Laurie fights him off and fires him, which, you know, is logical. But now Smokey Judd is likely planning murder. Yep. Because uh, like, that's the reaction. Yeah, this character, like, it's one of those things, like, I know I said earlier I kind of was feeling for the guy a bit. This is definitely where it turns, where the... Well, actually, no, the scale was tipping when he was going to freaking murder Wolverine. Mm-hmm. But the scales tip even further at this point because he's, like, trying to... Like he's trying to just be like, look, I like you a lot because he, he he actually has this really sweet story where he's telling her, you know, remember when mm-hmm. it snowed six feet and I was sick and you came out to the smokehouse and you brought me soup and you mm-hmm. were checking on me and you, you know, put your hand on my head to make sure I didn't have a fever. And mm-hmm. he was just, and I think for him, he's probably like, this is the first woman who's ever shown. Kindness or caring towards me Which Mm -hmm. is I think why he's fixated on her Like a serial killer Um and he just can't Handle the fact that she does not want him Mm -hmm. And so he Pushes her to the ground And like suckles on her neck And is all super creepy He's he's a neckbeard And she slaps him and she fires him And you know understandably But then after uh, She chases him off Uh Wolverine shows up to comfort Laurie, who is understandably very shaken up over the whole Smokey McRapey situation. Wolverine uh, proposes to Laurie, and he had to beg her to marry him. They smooch a bunch on screen, and Wolvie frets a bit over the realization that he needs to become a farmer. Wolvie sings to the top of his lungs over how much he loves Laurie, and the entire territory gathers around to
1: watch the PDA. So I, I have... Another thing with those two that I just sort of had the realization of. So the whole first act, she is in those overalls and in a very tomboyish, trying not to attract a guy I thought those were just her farm work clothes. Yeah, but you notice every other girl is in a dress, except for Lori. She is Mm -hmm. the only one in overalls and dressed in sort of a... I'm not interested in attracting guys and well, blah, 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 blah. I think
0: part of that's because she doesn't have money. Because she doesn't have a true. dress. And, I mean, she had... Her aunt had to give her a dress. Yeah. And she's very excited about it. But I think it's just that they're,
1: they're poor rural folk and they don't have money. And so she doesn't have... But, like, even, stuff. even for that time, they would have had a dress I guess that's for true. her to wear. They would have
0: had, like, Sunday clothes. Yeah,
1: because women would not be seen dressed like that normally. That's more like... Little girls would be okay wearing overalls because they're little girls and they're not sexualized yet. But as soon as they hit the point where men are going to start drooling over them, that's when it's like, okay, now you've got to start dressing like a girl. And she's not doing that because she's wanting everything on her own terms. And... Okay. Yeah, so that's where... That's sort of, and so the hard to get is a way to keep it on your own terms when you don't really have the ability to do things on your own terms socially. Okay. I, and, I that makes sense. I get that. Yeah. And so that's why. She probably and also in this scene, her emotions are high because she almost got raped. Yeah. Like so it's, it's like it's, it's, the it's, last thing that you should do to a woman who almost got raped. Yeah. is propose to her. No kidding. But, like because like, we see her cry earlier
0: when she's mm-hmm. with Aunt Eller. Yeah. Um, and then the, but we see her probably the most emotional here. Yeah. After um she fires Smokey Judd and sends him off, and then when um wolverine shows up and she
1: basically just runs into his arms crying and he's Mm -hmm. just you know because she knows that he won't take advantage of that but then he does kiss her which is again don't do that i mean he she kisses her and then they just sort of have this that shouldn't have happened and that's when he goes what am i doing and sits on the hot stove well the cold stove that she claims is hot, and then... But she also kisses... I mean, because she's definitely yeah, into... She, it. she she definitely oh, kisses yeah, him, and at does. no point
0: does she, like, no, try to stop no. him. She doesn't... I mean, because she, she obviously is into him. E- emotions are high at that moment. Yeah, emotions then, are high at that point, and it definitely was a very awkward time for him to propose to her. mm mm-hmm.
1: um, Though mean, it is cute to watch them slowly crumble their... Because uh, he kind of has a little bit of the snarking back to her which i think she feeds off of a little bit too she definitely like what's interesting about
0: that is i get the feeling that he has to snark to try and keep up with her snark because snark seems to be one of her love languages yeah (laughs) and so
1: so she she does that and they have this moment where the snark kind of crumbles during that scene where you have their genuine moments of
0: that's true i think it's because she's in an incredibly vulnerable situation and being in that vulnerable situation he doesn't take he doesn't do anything he's he's just there to be a comforting presence Mm -hmm. and i think that's when she kind of lets her guard down a bit she's like okay i can yeah i can be vulnerable with this person yeah you know and it's you know Aside from the potential rape,
1: it you know, hmm. it's a good scene. And thinking about it too, you never see her parents, so that's probably also where she puts up another wall is cause yeah. she I assume her parents are dead. Yeah, she only has Aunt Eller, so she's she's a woman behind multiple walls, one of them being overalls, one of them being snark. <laughs> oh, I love you. <laughs> <So>
0: <laughs> after um wolverine proposes to Laurie, and she says yes and they sing and dance and do a big ooh! excuse me he basically gets up on top of the bench and shouts as to the top of his lungs that he loves her and she's gonna marry him and that Mm kind of brings in people around to kind of watch them being all sweet with each other yeah it's kind of cute you know and uh after that we cut to ali ali is saying goodbye to annie and shows her a Persian goodbye by sucking on her face right in front of Billiam, (laughs) who is really, really thinking about shooting him, and I don't blame him. Mm -hmm. I'd commit seven types of murder if someone did that to my wife. Yeah. (laughs) I'm a jealous and crazy like that, though. Billiam makes Annie forget about the Persian goodbye by giving her an Oklahoma hello, and the two run off to do married couple things. Even though they're not married yet. Even though they're not married yet. (laughs) But, um, that that part was actually... Country girls make do. (laughs) That scene made me laugh. Like I like Ali. I should not like Ali
1: in the way that he behaves in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. but I can't help but like Ali. He's he's probably the most likable character in the show, he, honestly.
0: I like it. Like the thing is, because he's obviously the kind of guy who he's a traveling, you know, he's a traveling salesman,
1: mm-hmm. and he
0: obviously has no qualms about banging whoever he can wherever mm-hmm. he goes. Which I don't, you know, I don't care for that aspect of him. Yeah, but he's funny, and I do like the fact that he's like, like he warns
1: old Eller about the murder scope. Yeah, he still has his morals. Yeah, like that that's a thing. not sell something that'll kill someone. Yeah,
0: like he 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 may be a uh, uh, a slimy sleaze bag, but he's at least a slimy sleaze bag with his own honor code. Yeah, and so he's. He makes me laugh. I think he might be the most dynamic character, honestly. Yeah, and he's definitely my favorite character in the show. I
1: love, I love his line though to her about, um, you know, uh, to Ado Annie about, uh, oh, he's got the most gorgeous blue eyes, oh. and the way his smile wrinkles, and oh, do you love him too? Yeah. And just I love him because he makes you happy. <laughs> yes, because uh, with Annie is saying
0: goodbye to Ali she's because she basically is like are you sure you don't want to marry me kind of thing mm-hmm. and he's like yeah well don't you love william she's like well of course i love William, but i also like you and then she you know they the two kiss and stuff and he's like trying to be like uh no you know he's because you know like she said before she just likes whatever guy is around and paying mm-hmm. attention to her because she's that type of person and I do that is so funny when he's talking when when Ali is listing all the nice things about Billiam mm-hmm. and then she's like oh do you love him too yeah just, uh, but um then he's like well, let me you know let me show you how we say goodbye in my home and at first he's like kissing her hands and then he kisses the inside of her arms and then he kisses her and is like bending her over and spinning her around while kissing her like very long prolonged kiss mm-hmm. and that's when Billiam walks around the the corner of the Cornfield and sees him and is just like that son of a bitch. Like, you, Mm -hmm. I i love the look on his face because I resonated so much with that. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm gonna kill this piece of shit. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that's when, and then I, yeah, and then, uh, Ali is like, Oh, I want to say goodbye to you too, Billiam. And he's like, Oh, I don't want you to after seeing (laughs) how you say goodbye and (laughs) kind of thing. And, but then he, he takes off and he's gone and, and, uh, Billiam is understandably a bit upset with Annie for mm-hmm. uh, making out with him, right, making out with Ali right in front of him. And Ali, and, uh, and and uh what was it? She said, well, you know, it's it's just when I'm with a guy or I can't remember what the word specifically she says, but then Billiam is like, well, then I'm never going to leave your site kind mm-hmm. of thing. And she's like, well, if you ever do, you know, if you ever have to go somewhere, you know, maybe you could give me a, a Persian goodbye kind mm-hmm. of thing. He's like, huh, Persian goodbye. Ah, that has got nothing on Oklahoma. Hello, and yeah. he, like, spins her around, and then dips her and gives her a, a big kiss, and she very exaggeratedly like ah!
1: mm-hmm. flops,
0: and and uh, that's when the two of them run off to go, you
1: yeah, know, to the cornfield, flatten
0: some corn. <laughs> but uh, after those two run off to do whatever they're going to do. Wolverine and Lari are officially married, and everyone is celebrating and excited about the, the uh, prospect of becoming a state and excited about the future in general. They reprise the opening mm-hmm. of the song. huh? That's not the same song. Oh, that's right, because it's...
1: I'm yeah, sorry.
0: I, it's okay. <laughs> I, I, yeah, because it's a Beautiful Morning. and Instead, they do the title song. The the song that
1: the show is named for. I love
0: how I'm reading that note and you just whimper like our dog. Like, (laughs) that's not right. Uh, So, yeah, I'm going to disregard that. Okay, they don't reprise the opening song. (laughs) uh, But the cast does sing the title song and everyone laughs except for unemployed Judd. Because fuck that creepy bastard. Uh, After a very awkward picture with with nearly the entire cast... Wolverine goes into the house with Lari to, uh, get ready to leave. The men of the town hatch a devious plan to do something and run off, leaving the women by themselves. An ear-piercing shriek of a cackle drives everyone to the point of becoming deaf. Gertie Cummings has come back to town, but missed the wedding. She was too busy getting married herself to... Ali, fancy it's he, Ali Akeem. Ali says he's married her because he was in love, and he knew that he was in love when he saw the moonlight shining off her father's shotgun. (laughs) (laughs) So he is a guy who is digging himself into these predicaments Mm -hmm. because he goes to a new locale, finds a girl who is obviously, uh, how you say, not saving herself. Yeah. And then proceeds to anger said woman's father mm-hmm. and become the end of a shotgun wedding. Yes. The business end of a shotgun wedding. And uh, that was great because I, oh God, I hate Gertie's laugh, but she, I'm going to do the laugh and I apologize to our listeners. Ah! Like, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's a, a
1: dolphin laugh. It's a more, okay. Her
0: laugh can be described as if Fran Drescher uh, had a gov secret government laboratory experiment to combine her with a dolphin and then that dolphin was only allowed to inhale helium <laughs> and then blew an obnoxious laugh out of its blowhole. That's what Gertie's laugh sounds like. Oh, and God. what I love about that is when she does that laugh, people near her are like, ah like and then mm-hmm. they like, you know, stick their fingers in their ears like, ugh, is my eardrum still intact? Yeah. And uh What I love is uh, when Ali shows up and he just looks miserable. Mm -hmm. And I love, uh, and he sees him. She's like, how long have you been married? He's like, four days. And then you hear Gertie, ah! He's like, four days of being married to that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And then he wishes he would have just died. he wishes that he would have just let
0: himself get shot. Um, Okay, so Billiam shows up. And in a turnabout's fair play kind of way, gives Gertie the old Oklahoma hello, which sends Annie into a ferocious homicidal rage. And she proceeds to kick the shit out of Gertie, who runs off fearing for her life. Yep. And there's a great line there where after Annie goes after Gertie, Billiam turns to Ali and he's like, Well, Ali's like, what are you doing? And William's like, trying to keep Annie from killing your wife. And he's like, mind your own business. Yeah, (laughs) because he's like, if she kills her, I'll be out of it. (laughs) And I just... Ali just makes me laugh. Yeah. Uh, The men of the town return and barge into old Eller's house to embarrass the new bride and groom by dragging them out of the house and making a spectacle, only for it to be crashed by drunken Judd, who's here to give the happy new couple a kiss and a beating. A brawl ensues between Wolvie and Judd, and through a happy accident, Judd gets stabbed with his own knife. Everyone is way too nice about it. If it were me, I'd say just shoot the man and put him out of his misery. Because, so, the the thing that the men do is a real douchebag thing to do. I mm-hmm. It was really uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and I didn't like it at all. Nope. And I don't know if that's something that people actually did or not.
1: Yeah, people... In fact, in, in, uh, uh, I'm trying to remember what era of history this was that this happened, but people used to watch the bride and groom consummate their marriage. Like, yeah, it it had to be watched. Had to be witnessed? Yes. And so it's sort of like, it's not necessarily throwback to that because you're interrupting them. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's. People do weird shit to the bride and groom when they get married. And yeah. that's why I'm so glad that we live in the time that we do now.
0: Because <laughs> basically what happens is um, the men very sneakily approach the uh, the house again, approach old Eller's house, and they bring a ladder up to the window. One of the guys climbs up and he looks in through the window and gives the signal to the men. Yeah, they're in there fucking. And mm-hmm. then that's when they start like banging pots and like making noise and being like, woo, and doing that. Yeah. And if it stopped there... Okay, I could live mm-hmm. with that. But then they proceed to break into the house, pull the bride and groom out, prop uh-huh. them on a chair, surround them, and like just harass them. And they have these pitchforks with like hay on it, and they're like, "It's a girl! It's a boy! It's twins!" Yeah, and, it's, and you can very much tell that El, that uh, Lari is not okay with this. Yeah, um, Wolverine is doing his best to. Kind of roll with it, like "huh, oh, boys will be boys" kind mm-hmm. of thing, but she is very much not okay, and uh, that's when Drunken Judge shows up and he's like, "uh, oh, everything's still going on." And he's like, "He's like, I'm here to give you my best wishes," and he's like, "Can I get a kiss, the bride?" Mm-hmm. And he comes up and he gives her a big, gross kiss, and then he and Wolverine get into a fisty cuffs, punching each other back and forth. It's a it's a decent brawl. It's a good action scene, but then. Uh, Judd pulls out a knife and tries to stab Wolverine, and they get into, uh, you know, uh, they roll on the ground, and Judd stabs himself, and I'm like, good, instant karma, you asshole, Mm -hmm. and, uh,
1: like, I don't get why everybody was so upset about it. Nobody likes Judd. They're not upset about Judd. Well, I mean, they're upset that Wolvie is gonna get thrown in jail on his wedding night.
0: Yeah, but but that's the thing too. Is you're talking about this is a territory. Yeah. So the laws, the laws are loose. Like they're like granted, murder is still they, not okay. Yeah. Which well, we they do get a work around for it. But that's the thing is, I'm like, I feel like just about any land, any point in history, if you have a crowd and there's a bunch of witnesses saying, yeah, that guy tried to stab him, mm-hmm. and then he got stabbed with his own knife, it mm-hmm. was self defense. Like they'd be like, okay, it's fine, especially if it's somebody who the rest of the town really doesn't like. Mm-hmm. Like. With how little disregard we generally have for human life over the course of human history, Mm -hmm. I kind of felt like this scene was a little bit like, Oh no! Like, I felt like they upped the drama level a Mm -hmm. little bit more than what would have been for the time. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, everyone is unreasonably upset about Judd getting stabbed, and when the men come back to give the bad news that Judd has died, and that Wolverine needs to turn himself in to the judge... Everyone says, fuck it, let's do the trial here. You're a judge, ain't you, Annie's Pa? And then they hold a very slim down trial in which they establish that Wolverine stabbed Judd in self-defense and he's not guilty. Yeah, well, no shit, you dirt people. <laughs> Everything is fine now, conflict resolved, the happy couple gets to go off and get married, and I finally get to see what a surrey is. Which makes my previous joke moot, but I'm still gonna use it. <laughs> so... That is kind of the the gist of the show, and that's how it ends, like after the quote-unquote trial is resolved, um, mm -hmm. Wolverine and Laurie, you know put their bags and stuff on the uh, the Surrey and get in and drive off and it's got the cans tied to the back, mm-hmm. the just married cans and it's ding 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 and everybody's chasing after him, cheering yeah. and it's, it's just that's how the show off. It's a it's a it's a good, happy ending. They yep. they ride off into the sunset. Only one person
1: died. Only one person died, and he was not someone that people cared about. <laughs> we should definitely like set up a death count list for shows. And I think Nonsense is still going to stay on top oh, pretty yeah. much until we get to Children of Eden. But, um, which, it's, that one's a foregone conclusion because <laughs> it's Noah's Ark. But... So, so is there a Holocaust, Holocaust musical? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I don't think so, but there is a well, Princess Diana one coming out, and there is a Titanic musical. So. Well, then
0: again, both of those, still, if we're talking a Noah's Ark musical, that's the whole world dying except for Noah and his menagerie, so... No, in no fact, can, eight people survive. No one can top that uh, That death
1: count. Good job, God. You're still the record holder. Well, to, uh, if you think about human population at the time... Um, it still would have been thousands. It would have been thousands, but it wouldn't have been millions, because we've outdone ourselves as a species, but... That's for other podcasts to talk about.
0: No, we're we're talking about
1: musicals, just musicals. Yeah, just musicals. So so, so God um, holds
0: the murder count.
1: Yeah, just musicals, God still holds the murder count, but after him is one nun. (laughs) 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 One nun. One nun killed 52 people. One nun with an um, insatiable bloodlust. But yeah, the... Yeah, it's... So... This is going to be the first of our, like, history of musicals, musicals. Okay. um, Because I do want to show you the ones before that that are... Is it really the first? Because where does uh, Singing in the Rain fall in on the history? Singing in the Rain's after. Singing in the Rain's the 50s. Oh, okay.
0: Okay.
1: Um, And, like, the only... Because I'm not really counting... uh, Like, Gilbert and Sullivan is a proto-musical... Okay. Whereas this is like the first book musical, and then before that we'll have other musicals beforehand, but this is the first one that's more of a modern musical.
0: I am the very model of a modern musical. I
1: <laughs> am in Oklahoma and the guy at Step. So God. <laughs> so um next week's gonna be a different type of episode. Because it'll be a show that neither of us have seen before, Ooh. and it will be a, basically a live reaction to the premiere of this show that we have never seen before. I mean, we've seen what led up to this show. We have not seen this musical yet. We will be watching the Steven Universe movie. Oh, that's our next episode? That's our next episode. Yes! Yes! So, sweet. Uh, up up until that point, we've been binge-watching Steven Universe again. Getting caught up again, again yeah. yeah. reminding ourselves why we love this show. <laughs> um, and, I, like, I, I sit there and I think maybe this could be mini-episodes later on when the whole show's finally done, because I think there's a season after the movie that they're gonna do, um, to just cover all of the show in mini-sodes, because the whole show's really a musical, it's just that... The movie is the first, like, true full length musical yeah. that they've done. Because Mr. Greg is, uh, Mr. Greg's just an 11 minute musical, but this one is like full on musical. So we're gonna, we're gonna watch that. And awesome. It'll be awesome. And I'm, I'm ex- excited. I'm excited too. I'm, I'm way stoked because I love Steven Universe and it'll be fun. And I miss seeing that show. 'Cause it's always on hiatus. <laughs> this is this is definitely
0: gonna be an episode that like I'm sure other people out there will enjoy it, but this is very much a K and Warren. Like, this is this is a treat for us too. Yeah,
1: this is our self indulgence is what it is. So that'll be our next one. I actually have up until October thirty first planned out. Um, yes, <laughs> our spoopy month. Our spoopy month. Um so that'll be fun. So yeah, next week is Steven Universe. <sighs> it's okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Are you okay that I'm only okay with this show? Oh, yeah.
1: It's, like I said, it's not my favorite musical, but I have nice memories about it. Yeah, because I know, you know, we can talk about it. It's 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 not my favorite. It's got a
0: very special place in your heart. Yeah.
1: I mean, a lot of shows have special places in my heart, but they're not my favorite show. Like, Sound of Music, I have really good memories of sitting down with a brown paper bag lunch and my grandparents and watching it. So, you know, it's it's... But it's okay to, you know, not feel like... I think that with Oklahoma, it's one of those shows that when you look at it for the time, it's groundbreaking, and so that's That's why it's important. No, that that's fair, and that's the thing too. Is is when I say it's just for me, it is just okay.
0: Mm -hmm. I feel like it is like right there in the middle. Yeah, like there's there's enough good stuff about it that I you know do like Mm -hmm. it. Like it's it is nowhere near the bottom. Like I oh no, like I mean, and one thing I will say for this show. Is I like that it had a plot. I like that yes. it had a plot. It had characters. There was character growth. There they were going places, doing things. You know the songs were cute. I may not necessarily they may not necessarily get stuck with me like other mm-hmm. songs did. Um, but you know it, it was catchy. It was cute. It was good. It had a lot of
1: of, of cute sweet moments. Yeah. And, and uh yeah, before this and Showboat, you didn't get that in musicals. You have and we'll watch some of the Busby Berkeley ones later. Um but yeah, you you wouldn't get the book musical until Showboat. And I feel bad. I kept calling him Oscar Hammerstein the 3rd cuz I wanted to project that onto him, but he is a second. He's not a junior. Oh. But he's a second. Oh, he's not as good then. Hey now, but your your dad is a second. Yeah, He's not and, a junior. Yeah, and I'm the third. Okay, I mean, fair. And
0: bask <laughs> in my radiant glory. I'm just saying.
1: I'm just saying with each generation, the awesomeness compounds, and it gets greater. Which is why we aren't having biological children, because you were the greatest. Oh, if there was a fourth, then his greatness would be so great, he would implode upon himself. Exactly. Take all of us with him. Exactly. So that's why we are not reproducing is because we can't we can't have the Earth collapse in. In fact, not just the Earth, the entire universe collapse in on the awesomeness of Warren Fourth. It would be the end of all things. <laughs> it would. It absolutely would be. It's prophesied. It would be the next biggest death count in a musical. <laughs> 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 so, all right. That's enough out of us. Yep. So thank you guys for listening. Um, Would love to hear... Your thoughts on Oklahoma, if you've seen it or if you haven't seen it. Yeah, there's a
0: currently a 2019, uh, I almost said reboot. It's Re- a revival. Revival yeah. of it. So, I mean, if you've seen that, uh, let us know. You can let reach... us know.
1: We want to live vicariously through you because yeah. we can't get out there to see it. So yeah. <laughs>
0: you can reach out to us at a uh, tone deaf musical at Gmail, Twitter, and Facebook. Yep. All three of those, all just tone deaf musical. Um, if you want to become part of our prestigious, uh, what's it? Uh, uh 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 patreon uh, i was trying to think of the specific part. if you want to oh. be a if you want to be a crew member or stage crew or producer if you want to be or a, of ticket our holder, yeah, even, a ticket holder even because
1: ticket holders is just a dollar and we we have your eternal we we give our eternal gratitude uh three dollars you can get a mention on the show five is a mention and a bonus episode and ten is a Mention, a bonus episode, and a special message, which we're still waiting on a special message uh, that our $10 patron wants to have us read yet. So gotcha. that's the only reason we haven't done it yet is because they haven't sent us the reply back yet. Gotcha. So. And if you're thinking
0: to yourself, you know, okay, Warren, I like you guys, but I just can't spend any money. That is okay, too. Yeah, that's fine. We appreciate you coming back week after week, but if you want to help us out, please, uh, wherever you got this podcast, if you can give us a like and review, if you can share it with friends and family, because word of mouth is the best way to help indie podcasts um, get bigger. So if you could do that for us, we would greatly appreciate it. And if you want to chat with uh, Kay and I, you can always join us on the Podcast Junkie Discord server, which Kay will have a link in the episode description, and Kay and I are on there, and we have our own channel, and it's a fantastic place to to find podcasts that you didn't know you needed, and everybody there is super cool and chill.
1: Yeah, and I kind of want to give a special shout out to one of the shows that we binged in like three days. We... Just couldn't stop listening. It's called Girl in Space. Uh, they just finished their first season, guys. It's so good. Yeah, it's so good, guys. So, so
0: good. So, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna nerd. I'm gonna nerd. Um, not nerd. What was I gonna say? Nerdgasm. Uh, yeah, I was, di- I was trying to think of trying to think of a <laughs> different word, but I'm gonna nerdgasm for a moment. So, Girl in Space, um, who, which is done by uh Sarah Ray uh, Werner. She is yes. fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I I listened to that first episode of her show and was immediately sucked in and mm-hmm. blown away and immediately turned to Kay and was like, you need to check this out too. Mm-hmm. And Kay and I binged the entire season one and we are now super excited for season two. Yep. And Sarah is a super cool and chill person. Um, and I think everybody should... Take a look at her show because it yeah. is, it has inspired me to to try and think of my own audio drama it's now.
1: Same here, actually. So, we, which, you know, if we can get enough like reviews and stuff that we get sponsors, we might actually be able to take more time off and do more things podcast wise, like do more audio dramas and stuff. Cause that would be nice. It would be wonderful if we could just do this all the time because it's, it's way fun. It's,
0: we have a lot of creative juices, but not enough time.
1: Yep. Time is after us all. <laughs> there's so little time. We all have so little time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and um, a couple of other shows that I want to give shout-outs to. There's uh, the Bird Brain podcast, which is just this really insightful, calming show, um, and uh, they also have a uh, Night Owl episode that they do every Friday where, uh, he reads like short stories that he's written or creepy experiences and stuff that are really cool. Um, there's Private Island Presents Up All Night, which is a fun Alone in the Dark podcast. Uh, Pomegranates and Pitchforks is a fun history pod, er, not history, it's horror History. Yeah, horror history.
0: They'll talk about uh, serial killers and and tragic events, but also give mm -hmm. you the history on things like vampires and werewolves. Yeah. So nerds like me enjoy that kind of
1: stuff. Yeah. Uh, There's Ninth World Journal, which, holy crap, that is a good show. Ninth
0: World Journal is another uh, audio drama that's set in um, the Numenera universe, which is like a Dungeons and Dragons style uh, sci fi universe very engaging um Mm -hmm. it's it's another one that i'm always excited for the next episode on yeah and another one i would like to give a shout out to is uh oz 9 oz 9 i listened to before uh listening to girl in space and oz 9 is a fun comedic uh space romp that's Mm -hmm. very if you like things like red dwarf it's very much in the same vein of red dwarf
1: yeah um, and yeah so i guess that's mm-hmm. there's that's... also history on blast oh, wow. which history on we blast. we we love plugging her every episode because we love we love hillary and we love history on blast so much
0: i want another episode hillary
1: um but yeah just there's so many great great shows out there too many to really name without like i've got i keep discovering new podcasts
0: that i gotta listen to and it's pushing my backlog of audiobooks even farther i know there's too much media
1: not enough hours in the day i'm still halfway through book two of will of time and i'm like the podcast! Yeah, yeah. Podcast! Yeah, your husband wants to
0: talk to you about that, but yeah. I don't want to give you any spoilers. I need,
1: to, I need to be, like, set down and have my headphones taped to my head. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not do that, actually. That'll pull out all my hair. But, yeah, so, anyway, jo- feel free to join us on the Podcast Junkie Discord server, because it's way awesome. Um, yeah, we just, we love you guys. We love all of the support that we've been getting um, with all these shows, we're excited to come back to you next week with another awesome musical. Um, this one will be our first animated musical, which we will be doing more of those in the future. Um, I just want to go through as many live action ones before we do. I think it's better. But yeah, so that'll be it for this week. I'm Kay. I'm Warren. And this has been Tone, Tone